everyone, and welcome to Talking Points with KPI, episode 15. Today, we are back with Dan and Eric, but today we have a special guest, Justin Sanders, the guy who runs the pitching development program here at KPI. Um, so, Justin, give us a little background about yourself. What got you to KPI? Yeah, uh, I went to school at Westmont College, and they were pretty heavy on developing pitchers through like drive-on protocols, weighted balls, all that good stuff. Um, growing up, I kind of played dub a little bit. I was in the area, knew Eric since I was about 10 years old or so. Um, kind of went into the job market looking to do something in business and finance. That didn't turn out well, so I reached out to Dan and Eric, and they said, yeah, we'd love to bring you on board, and it's been, it's been fun ever since. So kind of an open room question, um, where did the KPI pitching program come from? Uh, where are the origins of the current version of the program, and has it been a kind of a trial and error kind of system? I mean, it's always trial and error. I think it's a, it's a combination of Dan and I's you know, separate pitching programs that got put into one thing. You know, I've been coaching teams for a long time through a whole bunch of different levels, from little guys all the way up through uh, college guys. So I developed my own system, you know, as being a pitching coach all those years. And then Dan has his system, which is really heavy on the arm care S&C side. And we just, you know, eventually kind of, you know, like we said in our origin story, gradually kind of combine them together to make the system we have right now. And Justin's kind of ran with it and done his thing on it. Mm-hmm. I think that it, it started with just the consumption of all types of pitching programs. So a lot of people will say, oh, you guys do driveline. Well, just, we use certain protocols that are similar to what they do, uh, but you could look at it and see it. There's Texas-based ranch, Florida-based ranch. There's a bunch of different facilities. Uh, you know, Tread Athletics is a big influencer too. Like, there's a lot of different facilities and coaches out there that we want to gather as much information as possible so we can meet the needs of every single athlete, not just say, hey, this is the only thing that we do and this is all the, how, how we can help you. We're, we're going to continue to push, push the boundaries. So I think um, the... The pitching development program from my side that I brought to the table was more of the, the mechanical focus, the arm care, the efficiency piece, but it's been obviously, you know, made ten times better than the last even just last six months with what Justin and the staff has been doing. So um, Yeah, so kinda of go into that, Justin. I mean, you came here, obviously they had already had a program kind of set, but they didn't have anybody that was able to drive it the way that you have now. So kind of talk about that position going in just from the start. From the start, it was mainly my goal was kind of build relationships with players, right? I think somebody going through this training experience, it can be very easy, easy to kind of uh, lose sight of like what's important as a player. And so building that relationship from a coach's standpoint is pretty key. And I think we have a good system in place that was in place from these two guys um, that was good at building those relationships. Um, and then second thing to that is the population we're dealing with is a lot of high school athletes. So it can kind of get intricate in terms of what their season's like the amount of throwing days they're going to have, and they're younger mm-hmm. athletes, so it's it's interesting there, but yeah. I think the biggest, obviously besides Justin's skill set, is like Justin's job is to do our pitching. Like That's his sole job in here, so yeah. um, I think him having someone being dedicated to doing that has really kind of been like night and day for where we four, because where we four, you know, Dan and I were doing the pitching, but then also we're doing... Yeah, a hundred other things, you know. So Justin being able to walk in every day and like, hey, this is my job, has like been massive for for our growth. So think, sorry, I want to cut no, you off. Uh, and this ties into that origins piece. I think the area that differentiates us completely from again some of those facilities and some of those coaches mm-hmm. I talked about, our population is twelve to sixteen. Yeah, like we have some older athletes. We have a, a really good set of like sixteen to eighteen year olds. But majority of the athletes that are coming through our facility 
are, are 12 to 14, 12, 14, 15, 16 years old. So if you look at the, the, the throwing protocols, the, the throwing programs, mechanical programs that are out there, a lot of times they're tested on athletes who are much older than the population we deal with. Yeah. And that was kind of the first thing that I noticed as I started diving into and learning more about throwing programs is, okay, we need to make this applicable to this athlete, this yeah. individual here, not just college, pro, high school, it, it, we, that was another big differentiating factor. And I think that Justin's been you know, obviously doing a great job of, of meeting the needs of all the athletes that come through our doors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got another point to that too, right? On the, on the high school side, it becomes challenging to get them to buy into what we're doing, right? They don't see the value in these things long-term, whereas if you deal with like older athletes, they buy into their own training experience. So anything you really give them, they're gonna dive into it, or at the high school age, they just think it's a test Right, they don't really buy in. So. Absolutely, and well, we can talk about the success that our KPI players have had on the on the field side. We just went to Florida, and we had a bunch of pitchers from KPI show out out there on the biggest stage in tournament ball. And so you talk about all these goals that are uh, essentially seen on paper. Now they get to see it in the field, mm-hmm. and so that, that pitching side has come full circle for you guys. But the thing with those guys doing what they did in Florida, that started when they were 12. Yeah. Like, you know, like this has been going on since then. It wasn't like, hey, they started training, and two months later, they're dominating on the biggest stage. Mm-hmm. Like, those guys all have been training since a young age. Yeah. And so let's go Let's go even farther back. What was the goal for you two, and then we can go into you as your goal has progressed for this pitching program. So how, is, how does that goal sit when you guys first started? And the, the overarching goal of our pitching program is always two things. Stay healthy and throw harder. You know, we do way more than that, but it boils down to those two things. And it's really, it can be pretty objective. Like, do you feel good? Are you able to pitch? Well, okay, there's the health side of things. And then are you throwing harder? Like, we can, we've been measuring that for years and years and years, you know. So uh, since we've got to that point, like where it's at now and all these different things we're doing with pitch design and biomechanics and stuff like that, it's, it's pretty incredible. I think the, the easiest way to visualize this, when we're at the old facility, Kids would come over, they'd warm up in the gym, they would do their arm care, they'd do their plow drills, whatever mechanical drills that were there, which was pretty finite if you look at what we do now. Um, and then they'd go over to him and they would do long toss and their mechanical work and they would work on their pickoff moves and their command and their pitch design. Uh, and even at that time, I don't think we had like a fraction of the tech that we have now. It was pretty bad basic stuff. Yeah, it was, it was like radar guns, pretty yeah. much. And so, um, you know, I think that that highlights where we started was, okay, health, and then, and, you know, preparing the athlete and then the other side of it was, yeah, we need velocity development because that age group was 12, 13, 14 years old. Yeah. There was, it wasn't, uh, um, it was not as broad of the spectrum of athlete that we see now. Yeah. Uh, where now it's like, okay, those are our two main pillars. Okay. What are the things that support those underneath? Where like the other one that we've been attacking really heavily and Justin will speak to, I'm sure at some point is, is command, throwing strikes, getting guys out. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you do the first, if you're healthy and you throw hard, but you don't throw strikes, you're not effective in games. At the end of the day, that doesn't matter. And that's probably one of the main evolutions that we're trying to uh, do is bridge that gap between yeah. what we do here and what, what happens on the field. Uh, I just want to expand on that a tad because it's almost like we get criticized for how good we are at velocity enhancement. People yeah. go, oh, like you only train velocity. Like, well, yeah, we do train velocity and we're really good at it. But like some of the stuff we're doing with command and pitches on work and, and mechanics, like it's incredible. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, the, the, the reports we're producing right now on command, uh, I think would blow most people's mind, but people just want to latch on to that velocity thing because it's, yeah. you know, it's the sexy thing to talk about all the time. And so coming to you, Justin, now being able to hear the basic that was essentially, that's what they started with. How does all the data that we use now, the monitors, validate the pitching program that you have adjusted to? Yeah, um, starting with that comment about like youth athletes um, from a young age, like building a structure that's gonna set them up to be successful in the long term, 
um, using the data to kind of track some of those trends can show them that the growth that they're making, even if it's in the short term, um, can get them to buy in right away. Um, and I think the second thing to that on the command side, right, is like with, with these younger athletes that are getting to that college age, right, your Landons, your Aidens, those kind of guys, it becomes polishing what they actually have now. And so that's where the command, the movement, the strike percentage on Rapsodo, things like that come into play and you can hold them accountable to those things. So another open room question. Uh, we talked about the on-field performance that we just had with our KPI players in Florida, but how is KPI connecting the pitching program to an on-field performance? It's, a, it's, a, it's an evolving, I guess, situation for us. Um, you know, I see a lot of games. You know, I'm on the field a lot, so I'm able to report back to the training staff how they're doing. Like, I even sent a message from Florida on, on, on how they were doing. So that happens a ton. During the high school season, we are trying to get to the point where we're rotating going out to fields and seeing them. Um, and then we communicate a lot with the trial ball coaches. You know, we, we, we want to know what the, how they're doing. We want to know what's going on. So... Uh, we're trying to systemize that. It's kind of hard because you, you kind of depend on people externally, but uh, open communication and then getting to their games is, is how we've done it so far. Yeah. So I want to get tie into a little bit of an arm care, and Dan and Justin, you two can go into this heavily because the strength side does tie into the arm care of the pitching side. So KPI is considered an authority in arm care. Like That's what, that's what we specialize in. Uh, discuss the different aspects of the KPI arm care system and how it is always evolving. Yeah, to the, the first place we'll start, it's the principle that we use, uh, and Justin spoke to one of the in-services they did, is uh, when it comes to arm care, uh, it, it is, number one, really complicated. Uh, there are variables that we have complete control over, and there's the variables we have zero control over. Uh, we try and account for as many as possible, but the two that we care about the most is, well, I guess you have like, two sides. You have volume and intensity, how hard am I throwing, or like the intensity which I'm working, and then how much am I throwing? And then I think that then ties into capacity. What is my body? What's the capacity my body has? And so we have to balance those things to make sure, okay, we want to build capacity. We want to make sure the athletes are prepared for the stress that they're going to see in games. And then we also want to fluctuate the volume and the intensity depending on the time of the year to meet the needs, uh, whatever that training adaptation that we want to see from them. So. Um, a lot of that started with us, so, you know, in, internal communication, like it would literally be him and I just talking because we were, you know, we're in a much smaller space and there's a lot less number of kids. Justin has hopped on and he and, and the rest of the staff have been building out some really cool systems to try and manage this, um, whether internally between the coaches or communication with the athletes themselves mm -hmm. or some of the monitoring tools that we, we use on the, on the floor. Yeah, so go into, I mean, Dan mentions the systems that you and Cam have been working on. Go into those systems and kind of elaborate on how you and Cam see them benefiting the program? Uh, a lot of the systems we're building out right now on the arm care side is very contextual to the specific athlete of what they're doing in that moment, right? Mm -hmm. um, certain athletes going through velocity work or uh, getting taxed in the weight room are going to have to double down on arm care as well as sometimes um, the calendar year of where they're at, right? Whether they're in season, off season, things like that, yeah. arm care can become prevalent. So I think the systems we're creating is kind of giving that information out to all staff members, what phases each athlete's in, and then um, on the back end is like screening those athletes when things do arise mm -hmm. um, and catching things quickly and being able to adjust on the fly. So another open room question, but how does KPI as a whole uh, manage the strength programming? And like Justin said, and for those of you that don't understand uh, baseball timelines and pitchers, most pitchers will go through a down phase where they do not throw at all and they will work on mechanics and things of that nature. So how does the program suit those guys that are in the different phases. Dan will talk more extensively on this, but basically we have different, you know, most of our high-level guys, and then over the next couple of weeks, everyone will start shutting down. 
And then they'll go through an on-ramp in November, and then we'll work up to the velo phases and stuff like that to get them ready for the high school season. But then Dan will coordinate his strength training based on what we're doing um, from a throwing volume point of view. Yeah, so the, the, when this first started, it was literally just grip strength. Mm-hmm. Like, we're just going to have you, you know, see where your grip is at, get a, a running average, and then the, the athlete themselves would then have to communicate with us. The problem with that, as we've grown, is the athletes themselves, number one, they're not going to communicate. Mm-hmm. They're number two, they don't have a concept of sore, hurt, injured, I feel great, they have, yeah. that they just have no concept of that. So we've shifted really heavily into uh, using the force plates uh, as, as a readiness tool. Um, and then uh, I think we, we're also working on tracking, uh, we just implemented this recently, like when did you throw last? And when do you expect to throw next? Mm-hmm. Uh, and using that information, then we can again customize on the fly with that athlete, uh, and we run those reports to just stay on top of. Okay, there's we've had times where kids are like, "Oh yeah, I feel great. I want to come to my bullpen. I'm coming down." And then they're like, "Yeah, oh, I, I threw seven innings over the weekend, and, and it's it's Monday or Tuesday." And it's yeah. like, "Dude, you have no business throwing bullpen today. Yeah, like that's not that's not what your body needs." So. Um, I think the, the arm care thing is continually uh, evolving uh, and we're finding better ways to objectively measure where athletes are at. Uh, specifically in the weight room, there's already a lot of different ways that we try and protect arms by exercise selection. Um, so for example, you know, instead of having somebody do a back squat, we're going to do a yoke bar, a safety squat bar. Instead of somebody doing a front rack position for a front squat, we're going to go cross face grip. We just want to lay off and not add extra stress into the weight room on the structures that we know are going to get beat up while they're throwing um, their bullpens. And then we, we know everything we do in the weight room supports what they do on the mound. So uh, it's not you know chasing a deadlift goal or a squat goal or a bench press goal where, yeah, those are great, but if it's not in support of what you're doing in, the, in your bullpens or on the field, then it really doesn't matter at the end of the day. And so we, we really try and refocus the athletes to like number one health, Number two, velocity. Number three, effectiveness, getting guys out. So. Yeah. So more in a specific manner on the pitching side, what do you and Cam kind of focus for? And even Eric, you can pitch in on this if you would like. What do you guys look for in this down phase? Uh, in this down phase, it's really enhancing the movement qualities that the, the athletes are going through, right? Um, we're in the process of straining hip anatomy to kind of put them in better positions, as well as kind of uh, working on something with the force plates in the weight room. Um, and keep getting them to buy into the fact that what they're working on the weight room is going to add to them being healthy when they start to ramp back up again and that they can still get better in the time that they're not throwing. Yeah. I think that's a big thing. Absolutely. So you mentioned force plates, and we've talked about force plates a lot on this podcast, and they're, they're going to be great for the future ahead. So if you need to use them as a facility, I would mention getting them. Hawkins does a great job, Hawkins Dynamics. Um, but how does KPI, using the force plates for the programming for the pitchers, but what does the future look like with those force plates? I mean, currently we're just monitoring their health and, and stress and wellness levels on their counter movement jumps, which is the normal screen that they would do in here. Um, and then we're starting to see a lot of trends. Like we're starting to see our hardest throwers have shift and jump profiles. We're starting to see when they do break down a little bit and are overstressed, like we'll see some fluctuations and we're getting ahead of that now. Whereas before we were a little bit reactive to it as we were learning the force plates. Now we're like building out systems to like identify before they throw that, hey, like, you're, you're overstressed or something, something's off right now. And I think there's been, I guess, probably over a handful of times we've shut people down from throwing because we've seen their force plates before they actually got there. I think the, the other side, like, the future component is uh, we've really been talking a lot about uh, in two facets. Upper body testing, we, we want to do something to kind of connect the dots between you know, upper body force output. Uh, drivelines put out information on, you know, bench press and bench press power uh, correlates to throwing velocity. So I wanna, you know, we want to test and look into that. 
Uh, we want to get into cuff strength, rotator cuff strength, uh, and if so, we can evaluate that via the force plates. Um, just because some of the tools that are out there are just clunky, and the, the validity, uh, they, uh, I guess the them being correct and accurate over a long period of time, uh, the force plates kind of eliminate some of that. Um, and then I think the other, and Justin can speak to this, is blending what we see on the force plates and your movement propensities towards your drill work. Mm -hmm. And so uh, there, there are kind of four or five different buckets that are starting to kind of become clear. Uh, and then him using that information, not only from a, a coaching standpoint, I know this athlete has a propensity to move this way. So I'm not going to try and force them to move that way because we just know they're not going to be capable of doing yeah. it. And it's just going to lead to compensations and probably more importantly, frustration. They're just going to struggle with it. Um, I think that's kind of the, the next big front as, as he starts building out and rounding out some of the drills that we use to individualize uh, mechanical changes. Yeah. yeah, I think noting on that, on both topics there, but the first one being understanding different jump profiles and how they adapt to stress, right? Being able to tell what type of injuries are going to come from certain jump profiles and then adapting throwing workloads around that, um, as well as kind of understanding how they move and how they're going to perform their skill and putting them in situations that's either going to um, hinder their ability to do something or feed what they're actually good at um, and pairing that with the ability to throw. And I think the big holy grail will be us putting force plates in mounds yeah. and then really starting to kind of take everything to the next level. Um, so hopefully that's coming down the pipeline decently mm -hmm. soon. I think so. we're having some preliminary uh, success with that using ProPlay AI to validate yeah. these mechanical changes, whether it's something in the weight room, you know, increasing or decreasing the mobility or stability of a joint, um, uh, it, seeing a change in their jump profile so that an athlete is then able to, to move in a way that we want them to. Yeah. Uh, we are validating those mechanical changes with ProPlay AI and saying, hey, you're getting into better positions at better time. And hopefully once we get through the winter, we're going to see more VLO. Yeah. Uh, and so that's a, another, again, on the future. So you mentioned winter, uh, Justin, you can go into a little bit of this, but for a person who comes into KPI first time, what would their pitching look like in the winter? In the winter, if they had shown up in the winter, it's a little bit different considering that their high school season is going to be coming up in about six to eight weeks. So it's mainly in that mode, it's getting them into competition mode mm -hmm. as quickly as possible. Um, from some of our other athletes who we've had through the fall into the winter, we can kind of blend in some velocity work and then as well as some live uh, ABs to kind of create that competitive mode, right? Because they're going to be playing pretty soon, yeah. but not overtaxing them as much as possible. I think from a, our big focus in the winter is, one, it's the most important time of the year for pitchers. It really yeah. is. We know from an objective standpoint that most arm injuries happen early in the year. Mm -hmm. Like it's been proven over and over again. So our job is to on-ramp them and gradually provide them enough stress as they go through their on-ramping and their velo phase to handle the high school season. Mm. And then whether it's a high school, a high school guy this winter, but then even college or pro guys uh, in the spring. And you know, so many kids make the mistake of not really doing, oh, they play catch a couple times before their high school season starts and then they get crushed for three hours a day for six days a week and then they break down and get hurt. Like, like that's just what, that's the normal, um, the normal cycle. So our guys are on a really, really structured and, and methodical on-ramp to get them ready for that high school season. So they walk into their high school season and that first week when they're going six days a week and then they have a game in, in two and a half weeks, like like the normal high school schedule, they are 100% completely prepared to be healthy and handle that load. I think one of the, the common myths of throwing that was pervasive, not necessarily right now, but uh, it's still, when you think of it, the parents of the kids who are now going into high school was like the, the bullet mentality. You only have so many throws. Yeah. And we gotta save our arm, we gotta protect it and, and keep it healthy. When in reality, like the, the human body just doesn't work that way. It reacts to stress. And if we 
dose it the right way and the body will build up tolerance yeah. to that. And you know, I liken this to the weight room. Like if you haven't worked out in a month and you get into the weight room where we're gonna, hey, we're gonna PR on our deadlift, yeah. we're gonna PR on our back squat and our bench press, you're gonna feel like trash. Mm-hmm. And so that's what happens in the high school season is, okay, I just play catch every once in a while with my buddies and, and I'm out just in the park just throwing and maybe I throw a bullpen every once in a while and then all of a sudden I have a 20 to 30 pitch bullpen and I haven't thrown at that level and now my high school coach is evaluating me and I need to throw hard because I need to show that I got good stuff and, and then what do you know, your arm doesn't feel great for, for that the start of the season and that just bleeds into the rest of the year and then obviously into the summer too. So. Um, we, we take that very seriously you know like we have kids that are like training here that are going to struggle to make their high school teams and then we have kids that like a draft and make millions of dollars in the next couple of years so like like we really really like individualize this a ton and make sure that they are ready to compete at a high level and, and they're not just kind of winging it yeah I think the, uh, the we started this so one of the first things when we had the pitching in the strength program uh, was sending reports to high school coaches so your pitcher here's where they're at here's what they're ready for Here's what now we can send like pitch design reports like hey here's what their arsenal looks like and then some of the insights that he's gonna provide like instead of just throw to the low outside corner and with two strikes waste a fastball and then with one and two count throw your breaking ball like yeah. we we all did when we were playing it's like no you can you can have a whole entire cheat sheet on how how to utilize your pitchers and put them in a position to succeed yeah um, and we will send that out to every high school coach. Um, and we do. We do send out to every high school coach. It's, it's, a, it's actually like a painstaking process, but yeah, we every athlete that trains here, we tell our high school coach readiness levels, where they're at, how many pitches they've been throwing, what they've been working on, what their focus has been. Absolutely. Con- so, con- sorry, no, one ahead. little point on that too. Context with a specific individual I think is key too in terms of whether they're going to be a bullpen guy or a yeah. starter and things like that because some of these high school athletes will be throwing 30-pitch bullpens and then their first weekend in high school ball, they're trying to throw six innings, right? Yeah. Um, it can gets a little bit easier on the college side because we can prepare them knowing that what their role is going to be. Um, but I think context with the specific individual is key. Mm-hmm. So you talk about a little bit of context and you talk about the vast range of players that we do have in the facility. Uh, last question, Justin, I want to ask you this. So you played, had a great career in college as a pitcher. Talked a lot about your mental side in college. Talked a lot about how you were always prepared, always wanted to just dominate that moment. As a coach, now, do you see the struggles with the mental side from that range? Because obviously you have a lot of kids that, like Eric said, may not make that high school team. How do you coach those kids differently than the kids, like Eric, Eric said, maybe in a couple of years are making millions of dollars? Yeah, I think the first, first point is going to be just be truthful with the athlete, right? Um, don't sugarcoat anything. If they're not going to make their high school team, they have to understand that they, they might not and giving them kind of certain indicators that would show that they are going to make their high school team and pushing them towards those in the short term. Um, and the mental side, right, athletes can fail a lot when it comes to training, mm-hmm. uh, but they can also succeed a lot, yeah. right? So kind of blending those two things together to make it as game-like as possible because in reality, uh, in baseball, you're going to fail more, majority of the time. Mm-hmm. With Within a facility, you can kind of pick data points that can allow for that athlete to succeed and understanding which athlete needs to be pushed and which athlete needs to be kind of sheltered a little bit yeah. um, is, is pretty crucial too. So Absolutely. All right, guys, thank you very much for tuning in to episode 15 of Talking Points with KPI. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Eric. And Justin Sanders, our great guest today, running our pitching program. So be on the lookout for more podcasts and stay tuned on the social medias. Thank you guys for watching.